And we've had some really doctrinal messages lately, and I really felt led to preach on something practical today. So I'm preaching on greater success. And I want to begin by asking you to raise your hand if you want to be successful. Okay, I got most of you. That's pretty good because a lot of times like at this, people don't want to raise their hand because they think it's a trick question. Like I'm going to say, oh, you evil person. The devil has seduced you into the lie that you should succeed in life. Or some people get into this kind of false humility like, well, we don't want to admit that we want to succeed, kind of like it's something bad. And, and, and some people actually have a problem with believing that God wants them uh, to succeed to the point where they even put down any teaching about success. But I, I, I want to ask them, do you really think God wants you to be a, a failure in life? Do you, think you, do you think he wants your business to fall apart and for you to go bankrupt? Do you think he wants your marriage to fall apart? God, God wants you to succeed in life. He wants me to, to, me to exceed, uh, succeed as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor. He wants our church to succeed in accomplishing our mission of touching heaven and changing earth. God wants you to succeed as a believer, as a, as a minister, as an employee, as a boss, as a parent, as a spouse, as a student, uh, Whatever you're, you're doing in life, God wants you to succeed. But do you believe that? In 1 Samuel 18.30, the Bible gives us an example of what I'm calling greater success. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle. And as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers. And his name became well known. Saul's officers had success but David had greater success. Why was that? Well, because 1 Samuel 18, 14 says, in everything he did, speaking of David, he had great success because the Lord was, was with him. That's the main key to greater success. The Lord must be with you. It's not something you accomplish on your own. So today I want you to have kind of God's definition of, of success. Now here's how the dic dictionary defines it. Success is a is attaining a desired outcome to reach a goal. So far, so good. But it goes on to say, success means to attain wealth, fame, or power. Usually in our world today, in our culture today, sex is, is uh, sex. Success <laughs> is defined. That could be included in a definition, I'm assuming, somewhere, somehow. Success, Lord, help me say success right today, because I'm saying it a lot of times in this sermon. The world usually defines success in terms of, of, of wealth, fame, power. But you, do you know you could be wealthy, powerful, and famous and not be successful in the eyes of God? You be, can be successful in the eyes of the world and not be successful in, in the eyes of, of God. And um, uh, so success is, is more than that. There's a success that's greater than money or, or fame. Uh, well, and how is that? Well, it depends on your definition of success. Here's my definition of, of success. Success. Becoming who God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do. If you become who God wants you to be, parents, this just came to me, stop telling your children they can be anything they want to be. 
Sometimes we set them up for immense failure. I mean, if they're if the if the boy's 18 years old and he's four foot tall, he's not going to be a center in the, in the NBA. <laughs> I, I, I mean, no matter how much he believes it. And I would tell my children, you can be anything God wants you to be. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. And together through your life, we're going to figure that out, what God wants you to be. But we sometimes train them, I can do anything. I can be anything. No, you can be who God wants you to be, and you can do what God wants you to do. And it doesn't matter what else you accomplish in life. If you miss the will of God, you are not a success. In fact, Matthew 16, 26 says this, For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Think about this. If you gained the whole world, if you owned every business, if you owned every home, if you owned every piece of property, if you owned every vehicle, if you owned it all, every single thing, but you lost your own soul, it would be, God says, it is worthless in his sight. Success is knowing and doing the will of God. Now, I've got some great news for you this morning. God wants you to succeed. He wants you to know his will. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He wants you to know his will. He wants you to do his will. He wants you to succeed in becoming who create, he created you to be. He wants you to be successful in every area of life, in your family, in your finances, in your spiritual life, in your work, in your business, in your relationships, in your health, in your finances. God wants you to be successful in all areas of life. Your life. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us this in 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in a few things. In all things. And be in help just as your soul prospers. God tells us in, in this passage, he wants his children to prosper in all things. The word prosper here is, a, is another biblical word for, for success. It's a compound word in the original Greek language. It comes from two words, one meaning good and the other meaning journey. You put them together and you get a, a good journey. Success is a journey. It's not a destination. And God wants your journey to be a good one. Yes, there will be some ups and downs and some curves and some mountains and some valleys, but God wants your journey to be a good one, a prosperous one, a successful one. He wants to get us where he wants us to go, and he wants to help us get where he wants us to go. By the way, God is not obligated to help you get somewhere he doesn't want you to go. God is not obligated to help you become somebody he doesn't want you to be. And if you got a, we all got a call on our life. We've all got a destiny from God. We've got to find out what that is. And if God calls you into full-time ministry and you go into business, God's not obligated to bless your business. But if God calls you into business, and you go into ministry, God's not obligated to bless that decision on your own part. God wants to bless what he has called you to do so that you become who he wants you to be. He wants you to succeed in life. And one of the major roles of church is to help you succeed in life. We've got to get past thinking of church as just a place we go on Sunday to fulfill some religious obligation. Yes, the church is a place we gather together to worship and to hear the word of God, but it's so much greater than that. 
This is an equipping center. This is a a training center. Uh, We want to help you discover God's destiny and call for your life. We're here to help you, to equip you, to disciple you, to coach you, to help you succeed in every area of life. We give a lot of opportunities. Like tonight, we're having a leadership summit that can help you grow in, in leadership. But we can't make you come. But if you want to grow in a, as a leadership, in leadership, you need to be here. We have a vision for a church full of, of disciple makers. You can call them coaches who help other people succeed in life. Life coaches, faith coaches, marriage and family coaches, finance coaches, business co- coaches, helping you to succeed in all areas of your life. But guess what? We need people willing to do that. Everybody's sitting around waiting for somebody else to do it. But us, we've all got to be willing to do our part. And some of you here could be greatly used by God to impact many people, to help them succeed in some area of their lives. But most of us sit around thinking most of the time that we ourselves need more teaching, more coaching, more training, always more, always another seminar, always another conference. Listen, I believe in seminars. I believe in conferences. I believe in training. I've probably been to more seminars and conferences than anybody else here because I'm old and I've been to a lot of them. (laughs) But a lot of people just never quite think they're ever, ever ready Deb and I were watching The Chosen last night. I don't know how many of you guys watched that, but we, we're only on season three right now. But it, it was Jesus sending out his disciples, if you saw that episode, two by two. And they're like, they were like, wait a minute. We're not, you, you want us to heal the sick? You, you want us to, to cast out demons? I mean, we've just heard some sermons. He said, you've heard me teach. Teach what I taught you. You've seen me do it. Do what I showed you. They never thought they were ready, but he sent them out. Listen, you're probably never going to think you're ready until you start doing it. And, and, and this is why so many, so many people feel stagnant in a church. Well, I'm not growing, I'm not changing, I'm not succeeding. And, and usually they blame the church, so they change churches. But eventually they get stagnant in the new church and they stay in this cycle of of changing churches, not realizing that the problem is not the churches. They don't need to hear something new. They need to start doing what they already know. And they need to start passing on what they know and what they are doing to other people. So they can know how to do it. And and, and believers like that are are always taking in and never giving out. And listen to me, that is what causes stagnancy. If a lake only receives water in and never gives any out, it will become a stagnant lake. It will become death. It will become the Dead Sea because the water comes in and doesn't go out. And you will experience some growth and some success by going to a seminar and going to a teaching and having a mentor, having somebody pouring into you. But you will receive greater growth and success by having a mentee, somebody you pour into. You grow more when you do it. Listen. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I know in my heart who gets the most out of my sermons every week. Me. Because it's been in my heart 
for hours and days, and, we, and I have studied and studied, and I've left dozens and dozens of verses on the cutting room floor that didn't make the cut in the final edit of this sermon as I prayed over God, what do you want me to say? I've got, I've got three or four or five times more than what's in this sermon that I didn't have the time to preach today unless I preached a five-hour sermon. That ain't going to cause no revival. That'll cause a mass exodus. Who are you pouring into? If you come to me and tell me you're not growing and you're stagnant, I'm going to ask you, who are you giving to? Who are you pouring out to? What, what are you doing? you got it coming in. What's going out? you got to remember 2 Timothy 2, 2. It's this, it's this process that, that, that we take the teachings we hear and we teach them to somebody else who teaches somebody else. It's always flowing. It's flowing forward. It's flowing forward. We all need a Paul who's pouring into our life, but we all need a Timothy, somebody we can pour our lives into. And, and to, to grow in faith, not only must we take in all that we can, but we can we got to give out all that we can to others. And I am telling you right now, I took a class on preaching in, in Bible school, but I grew more in preaching. It was good, and I learned, and, and it's great. I'm not putting it down. But I've grown more in preaching by, get, by preaching. When I started out, I wasn't as great as I am right now. <laughs> I'm doing greater sermons now. You know I'm messing with you, right? But, I mean, shouldn't you be getting better over time? I mean. Who are you giving to? Who are you pouring out to? Parents, obviously it should be your children. You know, we got it. Church, we get them an hour or two a week. You got them all week long. And school and social media got them more than you do. We've got to be intentional about pouring into them. We can't just take in. We've got to give out. There's a lot of ways we can give out here at Grace Fellowship. We have a children's ministry. We have a youth ministry. We have Grace Journey, a discipleship track. We can do one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We have men's breakfast. We have women's breakfast. We can serve on a ministry team like the, the prayer team, the pastoral care team, the, the ushers, safety, greeters, all these. We have teams, all kinds of ministry teams where you can get involved. Small groups are an awesome place. To, to, to learn, to grow, to find a mentor, uh, and to be a mentor. And if you tried groups and you didn't get anything out of it, maybe you need to be putting something into it. Maybe it's time for you to get out of the receiving mode and you need to get into the, the giving mode. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. We'll never have greater success if we stay in a consumer mindset, which is what most Americans have. It's all, everything is for me. I, I consume it. It's for me. I, I eat it. I, I, I play with it. I learn it at church. Whatever it is I'm doing with whatever I buy, but, but we have this consumer mindset, but we need to grow by receiving and then giving. That results in greater success. Do you believe God wants you to have greater success? I mean, some people get this super spiritual attitude like somehow success is beneath them. 
But God wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. Yes, your soul's got to prosper first. You've got to get the priority right. God is interested in spiritual things first, but he's also interested in all areas of our life, natural and spiritual. Yes, God's first concern is that we are right with him. That's the main priority. Until that is right, nothing else will be right. But being right with God is not the one and only uh, key to success in life. You can be spiritually right with God and still wrong in other ways in your life. And to succeed in life, we've got to do what God said to Joshua in Joshua 1, 7 through 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall always be on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Who, good success. Who will make your way prosperous and successful? What does it say? Y'all don't even want to say it. You will make your way. You will make your way prosperous. Is it you by yourself? No. It's the Lord's strength in you and through you. Listen, but God will not make you successful apart from you. Apart from your cooperation, apart from your work, apart from your doing. Look, on your own you can do nothing, but through Christ you can do all things. And God says here, he wants you to have good success. Evidently, there's a difference between good success and bad success. What we mainly see in our culture is a lot of people succeeding badly. We see a lot of it. see it in sports. We see it in entertainment. We see it in politics. We see it in churches and ministries. You can be successful in the world's eyes by doing illegal, immoral, or unbiblical things, but you will not be a good success. That's bad success. If you succeed by stealing or defrauding others, that's bad success. If you succeed but lose your marriage and family in the process, that's bad success. If you succeed but lose your health in the process, that's bad success. If you succeed but lose your soul in the process, that is very bad success. God wants us to have have good success, which is greater than bad success. And God gives us the path to success, but we've got to walk in it. Success does not just show up. I love what Thomas Edison said. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. The success is missed by most people because they don't want to walk the road or do the work that that they've got to go through to end up at, at a successful journey. People want what somebody successful has, but they don't want to do, and they don't want to go through what that person had to do and go through to to get where they got. But you've got to work the work and walk the walk for good success. The Bible says you'll be successful when? When you are strong and courageous, when you read the Word and meditate on the Word, when you speak the Word, and when you obey the Word. Not just part of it, all of it. What he said, do all that I've commanded. People excuse themselves from, from obeying so many scriptures. Well, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. Oh, God understands my situation. No, he says, be careful. 
be careful to do everything in it. Don't just pick and choose. It's not like a buffet. It's not like Luby's. And do we have cafeterias anymore these days? Furs, Wyatt's, all those places. You go in and pick it. We, we want to do that with the Bible. I'll take a little bit of this. I'll take a little bit of that. Don't want none of those, none of that. And ain't none of those leafy green vegetables. Don't want none of that. But God says, you want good success, you be careful to do all that I say. Take finances, for example. Some people hear the principle of tithing, they start doing it, and that's great. That's awesome. They should. But they can't keep a job, can't stop spending. They're over their heads in debt. They pay their bills late, and they wonder why they aren't blessed because, after all, they're tithing. I like the way my friend Robert Morris describes it. He says, if you tithe but you ignore all the other biblical principles of finance, you're like somebody who boils personal hygiene down to combing your hair. (laughs) You comb your hair all the time. Not a hair is ever out of place. But they never bathe or shave or, or, or use deodorant. And they go around saying, I don't understand it. I combed my hair. Why do I stink? (laughs) Many of us are like that person. We obey one or two financial principles. We break all the others, and we wonder why our finances stink so bad. Yes, we should tithe, but if we want our finances to keep from stinking, we've got to follow God's other financial principles. If we want our marriages and families to be successful, we've got to follow all of God's principles of marriage and family. If we want careers and businesses to be successful, we must follow all God's principles of business. Yes, God has principles about how you run your business. And I'm sure there's a measure of blessing when you follow one principle. It's like the drop thing we were talking earlier. But, man, you get a lot of those drops together, you got to flood. All these laws and principles work together. We've got to obey all God's principles in order to have greater success. Listen, here's what I tell people all the time. If you want biblical results in your life, you've got to do things in a biblical way. I can't tell you how many times in a counseling situation where I would tell people, well, you know, the Bible says this. Oh, I can't do that. You can't do that. No, I can't. So the Bible says this is what you need to do. You can't do it. No, I can't do it. I'm going to say, well, don't expect. I tell them, don't expect biblical results if you're not going to handle this in a biblical way. In order to succeed, we've got to believe God wants us to succeed, and we've got to do things God's way. We won't succeed if we don't think God wants us to. We won't succeed if we believe we are failures. Somebody have, some of you have had it driven in your life and in your mind your whole life that, that you'll never be nothing, you'll never amount to anything. Deb grew up in a family like that, and it, she overcame it. She, she had to work at overcoming who God says he was versus who her stepfather said she was. I mean, he would say, you, got, you don't have a brain in your head. You'll never be able to do anything. You'll never amount to anything. That is a lie from the devil. And right now, any of you who've had lies like that spoken over you, listen, we've got to resist those. We've got to break the power of those lies in the name of Jesus, and we must believe what God says about us, not what somebody else said about us, not what the devil says about us, and not what we say about ourselves. We've got to believe what God wants us to believe. Listen, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. 
You're going to become how you think about yourself. And the, listen, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. The second most important thing about you is what you believe about yourself. And you'll never go above and beyond what you believe about yourself. You'll never go above and beyond what you believe that God wants for you. God told Joshua, you will succeed. You will have good success if you know and do the word of God. And you will succeed the same way by knowing and doing the word. But notice the first thing God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times in the first nine verses of, first of, the, of the book of Joshua, God says, be strong and courageous. What's courage? Synonyms for courage are like bravery, valor, confidence. It's not the absence of fear. You don't need courage if you're not afraid. You got to notice this about courage. You, you'll never see courage in, in somebody doing nothing. Courage is somebody whose back is against the wall. The odds are against them. The pressure's on. We see courage in, in David when he took his stand against Goliath. We see courage in Moses when he told people, Pharaoh, let my people go. We see courage in Elijah when he challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Courage is seen in the midst of conflict and struggle. And so why did God tell Joshua, be strong and courageous? Listen, it takes no courage to live in a time of peace. It takes no courage when you have no enemy fighting you. But Joshua would, so, would soon lead the army of God into the promised land, and they would have to drive out the enemy in the promised land, and there were giants in the land. Success always requires courage because success always has enemies. By the way, sometimes they're in your own house. Sometimes they're among your friends. I don't have time to get into it today, but some people would just, just hate it when other people succeed. And they do anything to drag you down, hold you down, put you down. Who do you think you are? I mean, to keep you down, not going after. Don't listen to that. Change your friends if you need to. I'm not telling you to change your spouse. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but there are enemies. Listen, God has a promised land for you. He has a destiny. He has, he has a future. And you have an enemy. He wants to keep you from getting there. And, but when you get there, even when you get there, there's still going to be enemies there. There's never going to be a place where there's not battles to fight. That's why you've got to be strong and courageous and overcome fear and passivity and every circumstance that comes against you. There's many times in our lives when we need to hear God's command, be strong and courageous. Always keep this in mind. Even though Joshua and his nation was small in comparison to their enemies that surrounded them, they had somebody with a capital S on their side who would tip the scales in their favor. And you have somebody with a capital S on your side, the Lord God Almighty, who will skip tip the scales in your favor. If God's for you, who can be against you? And real strength and courage come from knowing God is with me. God has sent me on this time. I'm obeying the call of God in my life. That's what I'm doing. And I've had people ask me before, well, as a pastor, do you have times when you feel like you want to quit? And I go, no. Is there something else you'd rather do? No. Why is that? Because I know this is the call of God on my life. 
I know this is what, if I did something else, I would be out of God's will in my life. I know what his call is on me at this point in my life. If he changes it in the future, I'll change it. But I know this is what God has called me to do. And so I'm going to keep doing it. I don't get burned out over it. I don't get afraid over it. I just keep doing it because this is what God says for me to do. So I'm going to keep doing it. That requires work and that requires a word. That requires God on our side. But listen, the word only works when we put it to work. I'm almost done here. Men, when they put stuff together, I learned this the hard way. All these instructions come with it. And we tend to throw those to the side. And I can put this together. This these toys on Christmas Eve before Christmas morning, I can put them together without having to read no stinking instructions. I don't need no instructions. We put it all together and then there's an empty, uh, an extra piece. And the toy don't work because there's a missing piece. So we have to take it all apart, look at the instructions and put it back together according to the instructions. God has given us an instruction manual for life, for marriage, for family, for parenting, for finances, for health, for work, for success. It's called the Bible. Mistakes are made when we don't read the instruction manual. And when we don't put our lives together according to God's instruction, there's always something missing. When we don't put our family together according to God's instruction, there's always something missing. And many of our failures could be avoided if we had saturated ourselves with the word of God and then did what his word said. The wisdom we need for greater success is in the word of God. And if we get into the word and hear it and obey it. Listen, there's no shortcuts on this journey to greater success. You've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. You've got to saturate yourself with the Word of God. Not just read it, but meditate on it. Pray it. Believe it. Do warfare with it. And then, then we'll have good success, greater success. And one day we'll hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. So my prayer to you today is the same one Pastor Deb opened the service with. Psalm 20 verse for may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Do you have any desires in your heart? If you don't, there will be no success. If you have a desire in your heart, do you have plans? Got a few amens on that one. Without plans. There will be no success. God says he wants to give you a desire in your heart and make all your plans succeed. So begin to pray. Pray every day for godly wisdom, for godly plans, for God to give you desires in the direction he wants you to go, for God to give you vision, for God to show you what he wants to do and give you a plan of how to strategically reach that. Begin with the end in mind and then put first things first and begin to take steps on this journey and believe that God will give you greater success than you've ever experienced in your life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Bless the Lord. Stand to your feet. Go ahead, give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come down front. Listen, prosper as your soul prospers. It's never gonna happen if you've never been born again. If you've not given your heart and life to Jesus. Today, if you've never done that, today is a day of salvation. 
You're never going to do it in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, today would be a day to get filled. Maybe you need to pray for some desire in your heart, but, uh, some direction, some, some plans, some, some vision. We would love to pray that God would speak to you and give you his, his plan for your life. We would love to pray with you for whatever need you have. So, hey, let's sing one more song. We'll be back here tonight. For those who can be here, we'd love to see you. We'll sing one more song and we'll be dismissed. <laughs>